This is the Empowered Conversations with Aline and Christina podcast. We are two educators of color that have been in the game for over 15 years. Thanks for joining us as we break down and speak on systems that were not built for Black, Indigenous people of color and the ways we address them head on. As we lean on each other in this work, it would be big for us if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod, where we build community and support one another in this work. All right, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Conversations podcast with Aline and Christina, episode 29. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. I've been in education for 16 years as a school counselor and a former high school assistant principal. I currently work at the high school level in the Bay Area. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. This is my 17th year in education. I was a former high school English teacher, former assistant principal, co-principal, and site-level admin program specialist. I'm currently a teacher coach at, at a K-12 school district in the Bay Area. Hey, y'all. In our last podcast, we had a guest, Natalie Garcia. She's a site director at a charter school, and she talks all about how support systems are necessary for school leaders. So if you haven't already listened to it, please go check it out. But before we get into today's episode, let's do our quick check-in. So Christina, what's on top of your mind? Oh man, I went through, I'm like totally like 360 or 180 right now. Um, Yeah. So I am currently staying at Kaiser Oakland for the next four weeks. Um, I have been recently diagnosed with preeclampsia and so the safest thing for me and the baby is for me to be here and at Kaiser so I could be monitored 24 7 and yeah like I'm having my baby boy four weeks earlier so that is definitely on the top of my mind yeah that's all that should be on top of your mind (laughs) Uh, that's yeah um and you know so far so good like you know at at first I you know for a quick second I was in shock and I felt sorry for myself that I'm here that I'll be staying at a hospital for four weeks but then I really just need to take a step back and it's actually it's actually kind of a a relief that I'm here Mm -hmm. because I'm here to make sure that I'm alive and well so that the baby could be alive and well. So I need to just see it from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing I do want to share, because right before we hit record on this podcast, um, I was visited by a team of doctors this morning Mm -hmm. and there's a huge team of doctors. Like I've, I've met at least nine, like no joke ever since I've been here since Wednesday night. And so Mm -hmm. I've met maybe like nine doctors 
And I had to share this with them. I mean, they asked me if I had any questions and I was like, actually, I don't. Like you guys have been very informative. I was a bit concerned because there's so many of you guys and you guys are all, but you guys all have the same message. You guys are all on the same page. I just really appreciate the consistency. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but the one thing I do want to share with you, with you all is that I think it's just so cool and beautiful, like who my doctors are like, no joke. The majority of my doctors are female mm-hmm. and they're all women of color. Nice. I have never seen that before. Yeah. And you've been in the hospital a lot. Oh, I'm a regular. Yeah. And I mean, when I'm saying people of color, I mean, like I met two Filipina doctors and the thing is, I, I mean, I'm used to meeting Filipina nurses, Mm -hmm. so it was kind of cool to meet two Filipina doctors and we were talking about Filipino names and joking around about Filipino nicknames. So it was just really cool. And like the majority of my specialty doctors are, um, are, um, black women. Um, three of them, um, one, um, one for sure is Mexican. Cause we were talking about joking around about nicknames too. And she's like, oh yeah, we're like that too. Um, and then like two other uh, Latinx, it, it was just, cra- I, yeah. I loved it. It was, it was beautiful. And I, I did tell them that because three of them visited me at the same time. And they were just like, you know, thank you for noticing that. Yeah. I was like, it's, I was like, how could you not? Mm-hmm. I was like, it's just so like, it really, stuck out it sticks out to me and they're just like well now that you pointed it out they're like how does that make you feel and I was like one I just feel like super comfortable yeah I was like it it feels really really comfortable it feels empowering um and I it just feels good to be talking to someone that actually looks like me Mm mm-hmm and I mean, I don't know if too many people have said that to them, but they were just like, that is so touching. They're like, that yeah. seriously made my day. And I was like, well, good. I was like, I'm, I'm glad because that's just super awesome. That is awesome. And that's just, and I'm happy you shared that with them too, because I think it doesn't get said enough. And I think we can both attest to that too, even serving in schools and being different than the faces that are often seen. Yeah. So with that said, what, what, what's on the top of your mind, Aline? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, um, well, dude, one, I just want to say I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're being taken care of with the team that you feel supported by um, and comfortable with. Um, I'm, I give it to you to be recording right now. And I've always said this and I'm going to say it to everyone. It's just that you're just such a strong person, a warrior in that sense. And um, yeah, I'm just, again, happy that you're being taken care of because that's what you need to be doing right now. But for me, I mean, as far as top of my mind, like, you know, it's a busy season for counselors. I mentioned it in the last episode we're programming. And so that's, just taking a lot of time but really if I'm going to think about it what's been top of mind recently is just 
the role of school boards. Mm. Um, and I say that because I, I listened to a, a few of like one of some of my favorite podcasts recently um, talking about all that happened with the school board recall in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but part of like what I like to do instead of watch TV is watch um, school board meetings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so like I'll keep I'll put it all in the background as I do stuff just because like one I like to be on top of what's happening in my district so I'll listen to them especially now that they're on zoom it makes it so much easier to be in the loop of like what goes on during school board meetings so I like to watch my district but then I'll I'll watch some meetings from like neighboring districts like the one that I live in um you know one I the ones I've used to work in and so it's been quite interesting, but I, I'm saying this because it inspired me to reach out to one of our board members at the district that I'm working at. Um, and this all happened around like National School Counseling Week um, where I've been feeling this way about the district. And so it's no secret that I just feel like, you know, counselors are not valued in the way that they should be or deserve to be um, and that they're really underestimated in that district and there is so much potential in counselors to really build a lot of this change that we keep talking about especially around you know SEL um, building better systems for our students equitable systems and so I just felt the need to reach out to one of our newer board members because doing some digging, I, I realized that in the past counselors tried with the board and wasn't well received. Um, and obviously I don't have all the details, but I was like, well, we have some new board members and one in particular like wants to be reached out to, wants to hear what's going on. And so I did, and I didn't know what was gonna happen. I sent, I sent, him an e- sent them an email and just, you know, kind of, gave them some background about school counseling week and um, just wanting to see more with the district and have the board maybe ask more questions about it. And so she wanted to talk to me and I had a great conversation with her over the phone. Um, And, you know, she gave me some, just like some background and like realness about being on a school board and wanting to really connect to the, to the importance and the core of, serving as a school board member and wanting to talk to more staff and community because they're not in the schools. And that's, I think, one of the biggest issues we find is that they, you know, for the most part, especially if they've never been an educator, they don't know what it's like on a day-to-day basis. And the only way they're going to know is not just by board meetings and public comments, but by us reaching out and saying, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what we think could happen. Um, And so I say this because I'm just interested in it. um, And I encourage other educators to take some interest somehow, some way, even if it's just one person attending the meetings and like disseminating that information and like, you know, the key takeaways at a department meeting or something, um, or, you know, just send emails of like good stuff that's happening so that they know or solutions to problems you see I don't know so that was that's just what's been on top of my mind it was interesting and I, I want to keep doing it 
Well, thank you for sharing that. When when did you have that conversation with the school board member? Oh, I think it was last week. Oh, okay. So fairly recently. Yeah, fairly recently. Um, yeah, and it's an open invitation now to have conversations um, and to send them information. So, yeah. And I what did that school board member like? Okay, so... <laughs> They, they took that information in and then what were the next, did they mention like what next steps are like in terms of yeah up with you or yeah follow, so, follow up conversation. Mm -hmm. So she, um, the school board member is asking me to send like three, like, you know, the top three problem areas that I'm seeing within counseling and offer solutions so that, um, they can kind of wrap their heads around it and also build it into conversations um, with the superintendent because they have standing meetings. Um, but also there's going to be a new superintendent there, you know, our superintendent's retiring and they're on mm. a search for a new one. And so for the school board member, they wanted to know, like, what are some things that I can, you know, ask about or, or be paying more attention to when it comes to counseling and searching for a new superintendent. Um, and so that's, that was important to me because again, like the, the, the board member doesn't did, like has good feelings about school counselors, but doesn't necessarily know what to look out for or what could be done differently. Um, and so that was helpful. And I hope that, you know, it goes somewhere. Yeah. Because I think a huge part of it, and, and it's not even just people who are not in education. I mean, it could be like our fellow school colleagues who mm -hmm. have no idea like what the extent that counselors do. Yep. I think I think people have this very general um, perception of what counselors do. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I did. I only knew. I only became familiar with what counts uh, the capacity of a counselor when I had to act as a quasi counselor, right? Right, like that mm -hmm. experience of not having school counselors, so the admin team had to learn yep. how to be a counselor. So it's like I, I think there's this whole perception of the counselor; they're just there to like help you new kids choose classes. Mm -hmm and someone to check in on if something bad happened at home. And I mean, that stuff is important, but I, I feel like that's typically um, what the teachers and community and yeah. school board members think. So yeah. it's a matter of just like them being aware of, mm -hmm. of what you do. Yeah. Um, since the very beginning of being a school counselor, I feel like I've always had to advocate for the profession. Um, and so now like really feeling this urge to speak up on behalf of it, because, you know, as you all can recall from my educational journey, I did not have a good school counselor. Um, and so there are still counselors like that, but there are not, there are the majority I would say are on the other end because, you know, we're newer to the profession and had a different training experience in our grad programs. So yeah, I think we should do like a whole episode on that because I have a few people I'd like to bring in and talk about it for sure. But for this episode, we have another guest. Um, so let's get into it.
Before we get into this episode, we want to quickly remind you about our coaching program, our one-on-one coaching program for school leaders. Through our experiences and our understanding of the role of the school leader, we want to support other school leaders. So far in our coaching sessions, we have helped our school leaders, one, reflect on their vision and mission statement, prioritize roles and responsibilities, identify protocols and processes that need updates, modifications, or just simply missing, and identify strengths, skills, and talent at school sites that can bring the vision and mission alive. Because the admin or school leaders cannot accomplish student achievement alone. This is a community effort. Our coaching program includes the following, well, two options, semester long or one school year long weekly sessions, depending on the school leader's needs with personalized objectives and goals, which helps school leaders reflect, plan and organize using equity and educational justice as the focus. Through our coaching program, school leaders will feel empowered to make the difficult decisions necessary to support our BIPOC students learn how to transition from an educator ally to a co-conspirator, have a support system free of judgment, grow in their practice and prevent and find, prevent burnout and find more balance with your personal life. If you want more information or you wanna get in contact to schedule a clarity call, check out the link in our bio and show notes. So I have served alongside many principals, as I have shared in previous episodes, but with my last admin move, I was very picky with my position and my admin team. I was looking for a particular team that wanted to put social justice in the forefront and challenge the current educational system that hinders Black and Brown students. So it just so happened our guest and her admin team were looking for a fourth teammate an instructional program specialist who had the same goals and vision. Immediately, I felt the vibe with this team. I already knew from the jump that I could be myself around them. We were the most diverse admin team in our district. We looked like our student population. Our guest, a black female principal, then there were two Latinx vice principals, and then little old Mia Filipina. I'm really proud and honored to introduce my former principal, my school leader, my lifelong friend, Ms. Jasmine Montgomery. Thank you so much, Dr. Marcolino. It's been an honor to work alongside you as well. So how are you? How, how is it out there? <laughs> it's, it's great. It's pretty good. I've just been a lot of unpacking that I've been doing and um, I feel like I'm trying to try, trying to be a designer, like in the house, trying to design things. But right now you see a blank wall, but. (laughs) (laughs) And and tell us, tell us the state that you're in. So uh, I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, I did always, you know, I always tell people don't laugh when I say it, but you know, I really am enjoying it. It's a great opportunity promotion for my husband with executive position and the kids are really settled in and my daughter who is at her first year in college in a small town down uh, Danville, Kentucky, she's only five hours away with a drive. So that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. No, congratulations on the move. So, you you know, thank you for joining us. She is two hours ahead. So it's 9 33 PM 
um, out where she's at. And so thank you once again, Jasmine. No so problem. let's get started. So before you tell us about what you're up to now, please share with us your educational journey. Yes, so it is coming up to 17 years. So it's been 16 years. Um, most of them I've been in the classroom as a teacher and um, started off in a Title I school working and um, then moved to Denver, Colorado and I taught there and did some teacher leadership and taught at an IB um, International Baccalaureate School, then moved uh, back to California and um, really, really felt like my experience grew. Um, and I could see, have more of a view of just what the school community, what I would like in a school community as a whole. And uh, went after my admin credential and uh, the last four years, um, I've been in administration two years as a vice principal, and then just recently uh, finished up two years as a principal and taking some time off uh, during this transition. And um, uh, just really, education really has had my heart since I started in a Title I school in elementary. And I saw firsthand how low expectations really affect students. Um, and how just having one teacher that high, had high expectations for me when I was a sixth grader made a world of difference. And that to me was so important that you need to make sure that you have those high expectations for students, but you're also really looking at the social emotional learning of students and where they're at and having the expectations there, but making sure you bring those to where they can reach it reach them. So uh, that's been my heart. And uh, I've really been able to enjoy this, this journey in education and um, just learning how, how different districts do things in the different states I've been at, and then just even different schools as well. And the one thing that really stood out to me, Jasmine, is that you mentioned just how you had that one teacher mm -hmm. who really inspired you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's awesome. And I feel like each one of us could all say, like when I say us, like Aline and I and all the, all of our podcast guests, yeah, they all mentioned how their K-12 experience was kind of like a roller coaster, but they yeah. had one or maybe two, if they were lucky, like either a really good teacher or counselor that inspired them to challenge themselves. Mm -hmm. And like that... As I said, that's great, but just us, you know, as us as administrators on this call right now, yeah, we we need to do better than that. Like we we need more than one, right? Inspire. I mean, how many teachers have we had from the whole K twelve experience? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like maybe you've come across 40 I mean, because of middle school and high school, you have multiple teachers. So it's like at least 40. I mean, my math may be off, but mm -hmm. that doesn't sound too good. If you're saying you've only had one or two teachers out of four, your 40 teachers mm -hmm. that inspired you. Yeah. To, and it could take a leap. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I find that, um, what I've seen or what I've experienced too is that sometimes the teachers they feel when the student comes to them it's that's where they're at and they forget that they're developing mm -hmm. they forget that they 
I have these standards here. That's where they are right now, but where do they want them at the end of the school year? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I hear the conversation or that, you know, they just, that's how they are. They can't, they can't reach that level. Um, the expectations are too high before they even tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, one thing I thought was interesting too, um, I think that really steered me to having really organized curriculum and high expectations with the curriculum and planning it out was uh, I had a full circle. Um, the first year I taught as a teacher was with the, she was on my team. She was a teacher that was at the Title I school that I went to as an, uh, as a, you know, K, K through sixth grade. She was there as a teacher and she had shared with me, because uh, as as an elementary school student, I felt like the curriculum, it was very confusing to me. Mm -hmm. um, but she confirmed that at that school, they had no curriculum planned out um, for, for any of the grades. And that teachers really just guessed what should they teach first grade or third grade. Oh, wow. Um, so for me, <laughs> that too has had such a role and impact on just me as a teacher, but also to um, as a leader, that mm -hmm. is very important that you have your scope and sequence and you see vertically mm -hmm. where you want the curriculum to be um, because it's very reachable for the students, but there needs to be that connection with it all. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, I just find it really interesting that uh, some, some it, it, and I've seen it in every grade level, even in like second grade where teachers feel like that's just where they're at. That's just who the student is. If they're low, that's where they're at and that's where they're gonna stay. So it just takes a lot of um, hope and faith and, and planning the curriculum and knowing that, okay, this is where I want them to be. Where is the student at right now? And then what little things can I do to differentiate to get them where they need to be? I'm celebrating just those small things, but um, yeah, but yeah I'm that so <laughs> in a lot of ways. Well, it's interesting what you just said, because it's true. It's like, they're still developing. Like mm -hmm. even at high school, the students are still developing. They're still like, there's a lot of, even their brain is still growing, right? Where it's like, it's not fully developed yet. And so there is, there's so much room for growth there. And so there is a lot of deficit language or deficit thinking when it comes to students. And that's where we find our teachers constantly overlooking our students specifically, and especially our black and brown students as if they're just, too low or I can't help them or they're not going to get there but yet yeah I mean what you just said just it's like they're still developing you know mm -hmm. that is our job as educators to meet them where they're at and plan out how we're going to support students at all different levels to meet the standards that we're hoping to teach them by the end of the school year so true and so that's where it comes to let's bring back admin into this, mm -hmm. right? It's uh -huh. like, if, if we notice that with our staff, the question is, how should we address that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do, do we allow the status quo? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it goes back to the whole, everything that you're saying. And, you know, when I was listening to you, Jasmine, it just, when you said, planning is important and scope and sequence mm -hmm. um, so the word that comes to my mind is just being intentional yeah everything mm -hmm. you do needs to have there needs to be forethought there needs to be intention and I feel like that's where where admin need to come in and they need to be intentional too 
Mm-hmm. Right. Very. So are we going to have those courageous conversations? Mm-hmm. How, what, what is our goal going to be for ILT? Mm-hmm. What's our, what's our staff meetings going to look like? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, just, you know, cause that's the thing. I mean, this, this podcast is definitely about the point of view of admin. Yeah. Yes. So to our teachers out there, we're, we're not pointing fingers at y'all. We all, it's a, it's a group responsibility. We know, we know we also <laughs> add to that pot too. <laughs> no, exactly. And um, as admin, it is, it is, especially when you're like new and you're trying to build relationships and rapport. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're trying to build, building that, but then holding um, standard and accountability. Mm-hmm. Um and what I, I found that is helpful is when you, when there's initiative that you have, <laughs> there's initiative that you have, for example, I, I was, I used the initiative of the international baccalaureate program. So everyone at each grade level had to do a certain type of unit planning um, and something that's research-based and, sh- and shows that it does support students learning um, and best teaching practices. And that process takes a lot of time and, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of investment and it takes a lot of teaching. And I feel like it's very important that if an administrator expects that of, te- of teachers and wants to have it in the staff meetings or the grade level to do that, that they are in it with them. And so for mm-hmm. me, I planned release days with, with mm-hmm. teachers and coming from a school in Denver, Denver, where I was at a school that, uh, became authorized an international baccalaureate program. I understood those growing pains of learning of how to backwards plan um, and you know, really just plan out a unit in the scope, of, scope and sequence. So I knew the struggle of it, but with anything that you try to do to grow, you're gonna struggle with it. And so I understood that process with the, that the teachers would have with that. And I would plan a day where I take the day off and to do the professional development with them. So just hold their hands in the process and think of it just like as a teacher where you really, you see where, you know, your students are, you see where the teachers are at at that moment. And then you have your expectation and you meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And that's a process that, I mean, it it takes time, but it has to, it has to be done. And you have to really be thinking about how can you take that perspective as a teacher. So being that instructional leader is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, as administrator, having that experience as a teacher is very valuable because that's what you really need to, um, you know, pull into as you're trying to hold teachers accountable, but you have to be able to teach, uh, not teacher, you have to be able to help instruct that process. So Jasmine, you mentioned that you recently moved and you're now in Little Rock, but you were previously here in California this school year. So just tell us a little bit about like what you're up to now or what your plans are now. Um, But also kind of because I know a little bit of the backstory, but I want you to kind of talk about, you know, talk to our listeners a little bit about your experience as to what led you to the decision um, to, to move. I know Uh you mentioned, you know, your, your husband got a promotion. It was the great, great timing and everything, but also mm-hmm. in connection because we did an, a podcast episode a while back in episode 12, we did something called burnover, turnover mm-hmm. or burnover. Cause at that point in time, you know, Christina and I were, were both kind of hearing 
around us in our network, just a lot of our colleagues and in general in like education news, just around administrators leaving and how it's been really difficult on school systems in general with teachers and the pandemic, but also with administrators. Um, and just in the article kind of mentioned a little bit about why principals leave their jobs. And there was five things that this article listed, inadequate preparation or PD, poor working conditions, insufficient salaries, lack of decision-making authority and high stakes accountability po policies. Mm -hmm. So Jasmine, you tell us like, what are your thoughts or personal insight or even personal experiences um, from this list or to add to this list? Well, I, from that list, I can pick two and, and it really was, um, it was a, a lack of support and, and then it was and like in resources. And then it was also to salary because when you look at lack Girl. of support, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's really tough to then like you're looking okay like I could be making this much as a teacher in a different district too so it's it was two of those factors um that's real yeah it, it was it was it felt real but the, what what was really supportive and I think I, I think of three things of like um just even when I was a teacher that's important like for me as a teacher to have that like mentorship that inspiration and that motivation. And um, I really feel like um, as administrator, um, there was some mentorship where I was currently at because I did have an admin coach that was built in. And then someone that worked at the district level as a director had been my mentor um, previously when I was getting my admin credential. And uh, the district had connected with San Diego, San Diego State and had district members be mentors for the new administrators. So I was able to build rapport and relationships with some district people. So that was very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, now, I felt that the inspiration, um, the professional development was not there, like inspiring us in the way of either mm -hmm. like giving us really um, in-depth professional development that helps us and, and helps us grow as administrators, that wasn't there. Mm. It was there, like you could find it on your own mm -hmm. and then ask for that. But as administrators, I mean, especially during the pandemic, there's just so much going on. And then there was a lack of that, like seeing what was being done at the school, the different schools. Not, not that I feel that um, district members should be looking at just favoritism and see what schools like, okay, the school's doing great and do shout outs, but every school really knowing what the school is doing and what they've accomplished in their history and their background. Yeah. Um, and then being able to celebrate even the small, just the small things that they've been able to do. Um, so that kind of was missing in that sense. And then also to the motivation to me, I think I'm thinking, I'm thinking pay, like that part was not there. Um, and then you don't have anyone looking to see what you're doing well. And there was actually a lack of, there was, there was resources taken away from our school as far as leadership mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. during the year coming back in person was the most difficult thing. Um, I feel like as a new administrator, um, I, I joke and say that that was my first year because my first year as a principal was in the pandemic. So it was mm -hmm. distance. So that was my first year in person as a principal. Um, so I just think that was just so difficult. Um, 
to continue the level that we were trying, what we were trying to do at that point where it was like, we were just like trying to just survive mm. basically at that point. And that to me was frustrating because that is not why I became an administrator. I was there so we could make changes and uh, we had built, I was there as a VP three years prior. So really built like some foundations into building like the international baccalaureate program and and really building our social emotional learning and having the, the counselors really involved. So there was a lot of things that we put in place to support our community as a whole. And um, it's just difficult then to backtrack and say, now mm-hmm. we gotta let go of some things. Yeah. When I know things can work um, and we were doing them. So that part was that part was very difficult. And I think that is what, um, that's what was hard for me to digest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, and it's odd too because um, that was the moment when I did get a compliment, like, "Hey, your school's doing well. Let me take the resource away because mm-hmm. this other school needs it." And that's when I <laughs> wait. Thank you, but um, the reason why we're able to is because we really plan out what the people we need at the school to move it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that part was that difficult. So the support, um, that support started and, and the support too, it's just being able to, um, to know the school yeah. actually cool, and what the needs of the schools are. And I know that's difficult with a different balcony view as someone from the district or superintendent seeing that there's a lot to, to see, but if you want to build that culture, um, and anywhere you got to, you need to know who your, your people are, mm-hmm. organizations are. Um, so that, that's, that's something that was interesting, but there, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that I think just in general as administrators, um, that, you know, just during the pandemic and coming back in person, there's a lot of needs and support that not only did, uh, students and families need their parents, but also like the community, but also the staff. Yeah. So emotional support, um, being very mindful of mental, you know, health for everyone, being aware that there needs to be that, that mental break for everyone. Um, and knowing when to kind of slow down to accelerate and, and pause, and then, you know, take a yellow light on some things, um, mm-hmm. navigate through and, and, and balance out. And, um, so I think, um, what helped me a lot was having some mentorship. If I didn't have that. And when I say mentorship, I'm also saying the the people that were on my team as administrators, it was such like Dr. Marcolino, like we talk about how everyone, every one of the administrators could have run the school on their own. Mm. Everyone could have, and, and just having that level of knowledge that level of shared vision of just social justice and then just really having those high expectations for, for students and, and not allowing um, anyone to say that our students cannot achieve at that high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and sharing that I think was, was huge, was huge yeah. for our team. Yeah, for sure. Now we, man, we were a team though. We were. <laughs> We were. Yes. I mean, I, 
I mean, I love the team, the admin team I was in with the lean. I mean, don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted, lean. <laughs> but this team though is like, I mean, it, I guess because we were in, like, we were in COVID together. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And it's, it's just different. And like, yeah. we were, you know, during that first year when you, uh, when you were a principal, yeah, it was during the whole distance learning. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, we really got to work closely together mm-hmm. and, And I would say that was like the one benefit of distance learning or COVID is that it did give us the time to like reflect on the school policies and be like, I, what, what stuff needs to go, what stuff could stay, but we need to tweak it a bit. And what are we missing? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, on a regular school year or even a regular summer or a non-COVID summer, like there's just no time to do that. And so I really, I really appreciated, you know, that experience like that, that was pretty dope. Um, And also just going back to what you were saying, Jasmine, about just the mental health of not only students, but of staff Mm -hmm. and like real talk, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we should pat ourselves on the back because I think as an admin team, we did, we really were intentional about our staff meetings. We kept it simple. Mm -hmm. We, um, we made sure that there was a lot of teacher planning time. We even canceled meetings, but then we, you know, we gave like, well, this is what the expectations are during that time. And you need to check in with us, you know, do a Google survey, but you know, this is your time to plan. And we, we acknowledge that like, you know, we even took out some of the the stuff that we do in the beginning. Remember, cause I I shared that article with you. Yes, yes. (laughs) How admin starts off with these, climate and culture yes, things in the, the beginning nice breakers yeah. I was like I, I hit up Jasmine I was like Jasmine I, I think I'm gonna take out these icebreakers because it it's just what it I read these articles on um I was gonna say Edgesoft on um what's that thing Aline where we get a lot of our articles from Ed Source or Ed Weekly it's, one of the two Ed Weekly Ed Source and uh one other one and I was like oh like it looks like they they ain't filling these like we just need to go acknowledge so just acknowledge what's happening mm-hmm. yeah and once again I think this is the theme of this podcast is just being intentional mm-hmm. yeah it is right it is. so but In the one- question is though Jasmine like even though we were looking out after the staff who was looking out for our mental health right yeah, I feel like it was, we were very fortunate that we as an admin team, admin were, team looked out for each other, we were doing that for each other, but um, mm-hmm. it, it was very much absent, very yeah. much. And also you were the principal. So, and it's very lonely, lonely, lonely at the top. And I, I mean, I just, you know, just observing you and 
I, I feel like for two summers straight, you, you didn't have any vacation. Um, right. I mean, yeah, that, that I mean, in general, just didn't have vacation <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic 2020 yeah, that- and 2021. But I felt like you, especially, I mean, you just went straight through, um, Mm-mm. you did summer school and my bad I, I feel bad. yeah Jasmine ran summer school she did ask the admin team if we could split <laughs> some weeks I was practicing my no respectfully <laughs> you know and, uh, and I respected that of everyone everyone <laughs> um I there- much hiring that had to be done because of the a lot of teacher turnover yes I I mean that part was a lot the hiring piece um what I found that was interesting too is that there was a lot of pressure to do this summer school Mm -hmm. there was this ideal that hey it's optional (laughs) but um in reality it it really was not It, it really landed on the principal and that that piece I think was just a little much, especially when you're planning for everyone to come back in person. And yeah. I think reasons why um, for me personally, I felt like, you know, I, I worked like two school years straight. And so that's the burnout, that's the burnout for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like with my, my kids, you know, family and and my daughter was going, you know, first year in college and, and there's just so much going on. Um, and then having my kids go back in person. So I think that was a lot to just kind of um, have as an expectation. And um, I think as me being a first year principal, I didn't realize that I could have said no to. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I, that someone told me after the fact that I could have said no, but um, <laughs> Uh, I was like, no, there wasn't. And other actors were like, actually, there wasn't. <laughs> they were confirming there wasn't. If your v- if you didn't have another VP that was able to do it, then it was on you. So, um, but in a lot of, I think in some some people's mind in the district, like leadership realm, they felt like it was optional. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that did cater to a lot of uh, burnout. It's not 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 having that break because they're really, you really need to be able to step aside um, and take a moment. But I think even, even though I was working through that time, I think there was a lot to, to reflect on. Uh, Dr. Moccolino, we had so much we could like, you know, reflect on and really, really planned what we needed social emotionally for our students coming back in person um, with setting up the Wildcat Wellness Center, all of these things that was really important for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just didn't have wellness time for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So Jasmine, I have to ask now, what do you foresee in the future? So once you are settled in your new state, your new home, do you plan on returning to a K-12 school system? If so, at what capacity? So, uh, my viewpoint is very, very much different where I am looking to see what supports for administrators. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to actively ask, like, what, you know, what, do you have any 
relationship? Do you have someone that can help mentor me? Do you have some professional development funds that I could, you know, set aside discretionary that I can actually get an admin coach? Um, because that's one of the things I did have previously that helped me a lot through the HR because I really needed to look at which teachers we had and were they a good fit and what processes we needed to do to to hold them accountable or to, to professionally let them know that this is not the place for them and what process we need. Um, so that's really important for me that I would have someone in the district that can help with that, support that, that piece in the process um, on all of just everything, the budget, every, there's just so much that you have to, to learn at a, in a new district. So I'd really, that would be really important for me. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at the salary too, because mm. there's much that, there's so much that you put into um, to education. And if it's taking away from your health and your well-being and your time with family and relationships, is it going to be worth it? Um, worth it for me to put myself in that position. So that mentorship, that support is really gonna be needed. And the salary piece of that. And I know I'm in a different, state so the salaries you know it's going to be different but mm -hmm. um the thing is my heart and my passion's there so I'm going to no matter what I'm going to put in the work and the time um but I have to value value what I put in the time I put in and the passion I put into it and um I'm really be looking on about how they allow someone of color a woman to negotiate the salary and be the yep. that piece um but it's right now i'm really reflecting on um how i can keep um just a healthy um just a well-being for myself as a whole and maintain that and what does that look like for me and maintaining that and really setting some boundaries for myself because the first two years as a principal, of course, I was trying to prove myself. Yeah. And at this point, I understand, I know what my worth is in mm -hmm. leadership and do. And so now it's about valuing um, my other, my other things in my life <laughs> as I'm, I'm doing, you know, working in my career. So that's going to be very important. I do want to continue in education. My heart's really in it. I do feel like, um, still within it. I have such a huge passion, but I do feel like I might need to um, take a break from a really high need school mm. and really um, work on just learning, you know, professionally, like professional development for myself with, it would be a third year, you know, being in a leadership uh, position going on my um, fifth year in leadership. And um, I really feel like I can, I can grow in a lot of areas. And then from that, and then really establish myself in those you know, areas that I need to grow in and then come back to a high need school. Um, that's what I'm seeing I might, I might need to do right now for myself to really grow mm -hmm. and see different aspects. Yeah. I think everything you shared is just super important. Just all the reflections that you had around like, knowing that your passion is there, but just knowing 
what your experience was and specifically looking at what types of supports are available or the district gives administrators because you want to honor all of you, right? And you're <laughs> worth it to be able to say like, this is my job, but I have a family and I, this is, this is what I expect in my new position and any new school district that I'm at that I'm, you know, supported and valued in that way. Um, and I think that's important as we all kind of think about our positions and what we envision, not just for our schools as our vision and mission as leaders, but as, you know, what we expect in return from mm -hmm. the districts that we work at and what we're given, giving to those districts and the schools that we're at for sure. Mm -hmm. And Jasmine, you've, you've, you've mentioned this already a couple times in different ways, but I'm just curious, like if we're thinking back during your time as a principal and just even like kind of what you want to bring to the next school that you're, you'll be at, um, tell us how equity and educational justice played a role in your leadership practices and decisions. Um, the, the role for me is just to not set it aside, that it's part of the vision and the mission, and it's part of your conversations. Mm. I think it's very easy to, I mean, for one thing that I had, I really grew in for me with the equity lens is to hear what a student says, to hear what a staff member says, to hear what a parent says and how it's affecting them as a person of color. Um, and then take that information and address it head on. Mm. Um, I had a, a new teacher that was hired and there was a lot of conversation about feeling that like there was an equity in the classroom. There was unfair treatment and how things were handled. Um, there was comments that were given that were were not kosher. <laughs> I don't say say it, um, but it definitely was on the line of this is this is very inappropriate. And I can see how if the conversation is is like that, then your actions can display that in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so with with the community members letting me know that, students letting me know, not making excuses because someone is new to the environment, someone is new to the teaching profession, but having those conversations with the new teacher, how important it is, seeing if it's something that I think too for myself is also learning to give people space to teach them and see if they can grow in that area. Um, but then when you see they can't, you have to have the courage to be able to do the research and understand what needs to be done for the next step that's needed. If, if it is that they're causing more harm to the students, then if they're causing harm, and just in general, um, then, then they need to really be thinking as this a profession that they should continue, but it's not gonna be at the school I'm at. Um, and that's, that's something that for me with, as a principal, that was huge for me with equity. If a, if a teacher is causing harm to a student and our, the school I was currently at was predominantly students of color, um, then they're not gonna be at my school. 
um, and whatever it is that I need to do with HR, because I know that this is, that's not, if, if they're not someone I would have my students, my, my own child in that classroom, if I'm, I, if I see it in the student's eyes um, and I'm hearing it from the community and I just, and I'm observing it myself, then there's something that needs to be done. There's action that needs to be done. So for me, I think with equity and social justice, it's tied so much to not the conversation, discussions, the talk, it is the action. And then when staff sees that you're not, as a leader of the school, you're not accepting that, you're not condoning that, then, then it creates that culture of knowing, okay, that, that's not acceptable here. And it either earns the respect of the staff or it gets the other, it gets staff out that you need to have out of the school. Um, so I think it takes a lot of courage, but that for me, it was HR. There's the HR aspect of it. And knowing HR, knowing your window. And then not knowing, I mean, when, if knowing, you know, knowing your window, but if knowing that that window has passed to make it an easy, <laughs> kind of like, okay, this is not a good fit. This is not, you know, this is not supporting our mission and our vision for our students. Uh, this is not uplifting our community. It's not lifting our students. Um, you have to go through this process where you continually keep chipping away at it. And that's exhausting. <laughs> that's exhausting. One thing too, is that you can't pass it along. Uh, a lot of times, especially, I mean, my experience that I found is that you're working with HR, they know about the issues with a teacher that might, you know, that are highly, you know, inequitable and in every way. And they're, they're wanting to support you. So their support is let's move this teacher out of your school. Let's just, right. let's just, out. and that's when, for me as administrator, that was another kind of a thing for me with the equity lens is no, we are not. <laughs> going to move the teacher out. We've started the process. We will continue the process. They are going to have to change or they're going to need to leave. They're going to need to leave the, the district or something. It's just, you can't, as an administrator for myself with equity lens, I'm like, I can't pass it along. I can't like let this, let someone with an, a lens that is harmful to our students go to a different school. And that so, happens all the time it is so tempting though because it is it is <laughs> hard to do that it really is because then you're like okay at least I'm helping and supporting my community community right by getting this uh someone who's causing harm who doesn't share the same vision and mission um for the community you're getting them out but then you have to have a broader view of just in general like the the whole district yeah so, and and it's not just teachers sometimes hr be do i mean it's like any type of staff met member yeah I mean, they could they could do that with clerical staff with custodians with <laughs> our campus supervisors admin teacher Yes, yeah. the list goes on and on. And it's like, okay, the easiest thing to do is to just pick them up and dump them somewhere else. Cross your fingers. Hopefully they don't act a fool there. Yeah. 
it's, but it's we a- all know how that goes. I, yeah. I don't know one happy ending story of a, of an educator. And when I say educator, I mean like anyone who's working in a school district mm-hmm. of that ending in a in a in a good story. So, mm-hmm. and that 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 piece for administrator that can cause a lot of burnout. That mm-hmm. part, that's the part that can cause <laughs> the burnout, but that's where you need that mentorship and that support with mm-hmm. the district and the HR department that's really supporting and helping. Um, but that's where we have to, as a district, you have to have the mission and vision aligned across the board so that we know that that equity is when we're, ta- when we're having those conversations of what a teacher said or their response or how they're interacting with students, that it's not the conversation where it's like, well, you could perceive it that way. It could seem that way. Mm. Um, it has to be the same level. Okay, this is a conversation. This is what we see as as harming students. Um, this is what we see as um, an equity. This is what we see as just racial bias, implicit bias. This is what we see. So that's really important um, as well to have. But once you have it as a, once you have that lens as an administrator, for me, you have to act. You have mm-hmm. to act. For me, it was HR. Yeah. And me having difficult conversations, it was me saying, okay, bring your union rep. We're just having a conversation, but we need to understand that I'm going to hold you accountable and these are the expectations. But also in that, building a rapport with the staff where you're walking around, you're saying, hi, you're friendly, (laughs) you're building those small moments of trust. How are you doing? Getting to know them, but then also being able to hold them accountable. And that's that's not the fun work, but it's the work that is the equity work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess for me with that to me made it really interesting um, to have the viewpoint of HR. And that actually made me a little bit more interested in that because um, how do you, you want to get the right people in and you want to make sure you keep the, you know, make sure you shine a light to someone in the profession that might need to reflect Mm. their change or reflect and see if that's the best job for them. Um, Because it's really hurtful to see generations and generations of students that are are not learning um, because expectations are low, but not only that, there's implicit bias that's there in that it's in our students. And that's what hurts me so much to see. Yeah, 100%. So I, yeah, I do want to stay in education and, um, but I'm going to, that, there's a lot of pieces. And I think too, for me, when I, when, when we are talking about equity, that's going to be huge for me is that the district has that lens um, to be looking at social justice issues and equity. Um, But sometimes sometimes you go into the district and you have to, you are that change, (laughs) but right. I don't know. (laughs) I want to have a team. It was very nice. Like Dr. Magalino to have you on the team. And so I need, I need to know that there's people there that have that lens that, uh, you know, cause I really want to, I want to do work. I don't want to, I don't want to do the stuff because my journey and just, I hope everyone understands my journey is new 
very, very newbie journey. And um, I was very blessed to be around highly experienced, just like you, Christina, highly experienced people with an equity lens. Uh, I was able to have a mentor um, who helped me a lot with the HR kind of um, aspect of it. So that was very helpful. But um, there's the burnout is that piece of um, being able to balance you know, every, everything out. And then you're acting, you're, you're putting that the equity lens and, um, you got to be able to do the self-care because when you put yourself out there to have that courage and to have those hard conversations, you are in, you are, <laughs> you got to armor up basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's actually, Oh, go ahead, Aline. No, no, no. It's true. I was going to say it, it really is exhausting and you, yeah. it's draining and you almost, you have to kind of figure out ways to re-energize and take care of yourself so that you can continue doing it because it's a daily thing. And I think that was going to lead us into the next question, right, Christina? Yes. <laughs> it fits saying, in nicely. I mean, a perfect transition. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking about burnout and, and self-care. So we do have to ask, what do you do for self-care? What do you do to re-energize? What do you do to rebalance yourself? So, um, well, I can, I can speak to what I had to do when I was an administrator. Sure. And then I can speak to the things that I'm trying now to amp that up. Mm -hmm. um, at the end, it was, I was getting to zero at the end. Um, so I think for me, just for starting with leadership is really understanding what my, my, my vision and mission was for me as a leader. Like, how did I want to interact with people? What environment did I want? And what environment did I want to create? And um, so reading up on different, you know, leadership books um, was important for me. I like to read a lot of self-help books. I like to read a lot. I listen to podcasts like, I love listening to Oprah own <laughs> and all the different things like that. Um, also to just having a moment of um, in the morning, cause I, I started, you know, just having three kids and stuff and getting ready. I didn't have much time to reflect and do all of the amazing things that you can do for self-care. Um, but it would be, I would listen to music. I would listen, pick a song. That would be the song of my, you know, my morning song that would get me going. And, um, you know, one of the songs I played often was um, No Weapon by Fred Hellman, Formed Against You Shall Prosper. So sometimes I felt like it was, sometimes it felt like I had to armor up. Um, and as I'm going into school, um, so, and when I say armor up, I, of course, leaving space to have my heart, but it's very much where I don't get hurt when I'm trying to have difficult conversations or when I feel I try not to take things personally is the kind of thing that I had to get ready for. So for me, it would pick a song in the morning. That would be a song that would help me during the day. Um, you know, have different inspirational quotes that I would look out through, you know, look at during the day. Um, try to um, as much as possible create the environment that I wanted. So saying hi to people, stopping, recognizing, seeing them, talking to the students, trying to find all those golden moments 
um, that just, you know, uplift your day. So finding, you know, a student, something they're doing well, you know, talking to them. One of my favorite times of the day was during lunch because I would just talk with students, try to find out um, just who they are, what they like to do, and sometimes trying to find out rumors of what a fight is, but I would really try not to find that out. I really want to like what's going on. <laughs> but um, I think for that was self-care. And so I also had like, I tried to, I called ad, admin jo joy moments. So like try to take pictures when I'm walking through the hallways, try to take pictures of teachers, what they're doing in the classroom um, and to really get inspired by the teachers. Mm -hmm. Not only the students, but the teachers. And so really making a point to find those golden moments and make sure they're bright spots and either putting them in the newsletter, complimenting a teacher that just really, you know, built me up. And so that was part of it. And then having a song that I would listen to at the end of the day that would calm me and, um, and, and waking up in the morning, I would kind of just have five minutes where I kind of just mentally just kind of prepare myself to while I'm in bed. Mm. I'm trying, I'm sleeping on this too with my eyes but still have a mindful <laughs> moment. Mm -hmm. But what I really, really needed though, because I was getting really exhausted at the end of the day was to do something that was physical and help, you know, just helped my, me physically, like working mm -hmm. out something along those lines. Um, so that's something that would have to be, that I have to, you know, really build, build in to a busy day. Um, and I know that that's something I'm doing now. Oh, nice. Martin. Good. Yeah. yeah. That was something about the admin team that we always talked about how we were like this week, we're going to do this. And I know uh, Jasmine bought a Peloton. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, I was, I enrolled in a boxing class that I never really did. I had to quit that. That was expensive. <laughs> I was like going once a month and paying a hundred something dollars. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, the whole like stuff, <laughs> the whole having a home gym now, it's very helpful or having something. And yeah. I really appreciate what you said about golden moments and just, you know, finding those moments in the day, whether it be connecting with the student or something you're seeing in the, t in the classroom that's one good way too to kind of reflect back on like your vision and mission and what you're doing as a leader and how it shows up in every day. And I, I like that. I haven't, you know, really thought about it in that way. I mean, I guess I try to like on rough days, I try to pull in a student that I know I can connect with and, you know, they've been making progress and I just want to check in with them. Like it makes me feel like, okay, I got this. Like, this is why I'm doing this. So mm -hmm. in some ways, but, but the golden moment idea just makes it feel like paying close attention to those, I guess that the, the little things that pass us by, especially when we're in a negative state of mind or extremely exhausted, it almost makes you kind of flip the script a little bit and look for those, those moments of joy, um, things that are working or, mm -hmm. you know, what it is that you're set out to do. So it's those reminders. I really like that. Yeah, I, I try to try to remind myself of like my joy factor. Mm. What that joy factor that I have in the work that I'm doing. If I lose that, then I'm not going to be at my best because I'm going to lose why I'm doing it. So 
that's, that's really important. I started, I felt like I was getting burnt out and I was losing that, um, that like hunting and scavenger hunt, find that. And um, yeah. I think that's where I needed to, where there was an opportunity where my husband had the promotion, everything. I actually started thinking I might need that break right now. You need the golden moments in your personal <laughs> yes. life. Yes. yes, I do. I do. Exactly. And yeah. my personal life, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, our final question, you kind of beat us to it. That's why <laughs> Aline and I are hella cheesing over here. <laughs> so we usually wrap up our conversations um, by asking our guests, what's that song that gets you up the hill? So the reason why we say up the hill is because uh, when Aline and I, when we were um, on an admin team together, our school was up at a hill. So um, <laughs> we're just like, okay, that last five minutes of our car ride, what is that one song that get that will get us hyped and motivated and just um, give us that, that drive? Like we could actually do this. Oh my goodness. There's a, I mean, like I did... I did say a couple of um, songs, but uh, also too, like the Tony Braxton song, Let It Go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you would low. see that occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my karaoke song too. So like it, Cause I can sing along with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think getting ready for work, it's like something that's kind of armor me up or feel like I'm like, I got this. Like nothing is going to, like going to waver me from what I'm trying to do and the mission I'm trying to do. And then as I'm leaving work, it's like kind of let it go. Or it is like a, a, a rap song or, you know, Kendrick Lamar, I'm going to be all right. Something like, something okay. like that. <laughs> it's just like, you're going to be fine. Um, but it really depends on the day. It really does depend on the day. But my go-to song in the morning was No Weapon Formed Against you so shall prosper. Um, it was a it's a gospel song that just always gets to me. Like, okay, I'm gonna be fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I think even sometimes instrumental music is just mm -hmm. kind of wander um, helps. But I can't I can't think of. I just know that one was the main one that I would listen to in the morning, and uh, I can't remember like. Um, can't remember some of the other ones. I know Stormzy, like some of the rap songs I would listen to in the morning. Um, I would. I forgot the names of the songs though. <laughs> you listed some good ones. I mean, uh, you yes. already you already had that built into your day, to your morning routine. So it's like kind of in line with do what we all need to do to to prep ourselves and get ready to go and show up each and every day. Yeah, and do yeah. the work and do the hard work for sure. Yeah. Music is, it's very helpful. Definitely. As it gets me to think about it. One thing I, um, just to share where I realized I needed to just not think about work so much in the morning was, um, there was a day where we were low with our, um, our special day class with the teacher assistants. And it was a high extensive needs class. And so um, the teacher was absent that day and the TAs were absent. And so- Oh, I, I remember that day. It was gonna be me. And so I'm talking with someone 
phone with my with my six year old in the car, and I am like, so you're saying no one's coming, so you're saying I'm going to have to do that, and I'm saying this and I and on the phone and I'm using a stern voice. I'm just saying I don't. I'm like I don't feel comfortable doing the the extensive need support that would be needed in the restroom. I'm not going to be comfortable with that. And I'm talking to the district person, uh, the secondary director on the phone. And my son is listening to this in the background. And then when I bring him to school to drop him off, he starts tearing up because he could hear the anxiety in my voice. Ooh. So I realized at that point that I cannot <laughs> do that. I cannot allow my, like my, my work stuff. And it's like, even before I get there to yeah. just consume me and then also then consume the start of his day. And so, so much of it was like, okay, at this point, if I have a real concern, I'm going to text it. I'm not going to talk on the phone um, about it because it's going to work out and it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to figure out another way to do it. So my son doesn't have to hear it, mm-hmm. but I saw how it was affecting him. And so I'm like, we just listen to music. It's going to be fine. It's <laughs> like, so um, that was something, a huge reminder for me that I have to under, understand how that was affecting. He could feel the, just the intensity and the anxiety that I was feeling. Yeah. And felt it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's why he's crying, poor baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing that again. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, well, Jasmine, thank you so much. It, this has, this, ooh, I feel like we could talk, go on and talk for a long time. <laughs> Um, but we really appreciate you being here and it, you know, as I said, it was an absolute pleasure and honor to, to be, um, to, to work alongside you and to serve as a member of your admin team. So, you know, you know, we look forward to seeing all that you do out in Little Rock and just following your journey out there and learning about you know another system and another district so we'll definitely have to catch up with you at another time when you're um settled and you find that position where you feel like you can ask for all the things that you deserve and we need to learn from that as well so we can't wait to have you back thank you well i'm so glad it gives me a moment to really reflect now and just it's it's nice to have this conversation um, I've been so busy unpacking stuff, but now it kind of allows me to kind of really, really reflect and be thinking about what is it, the next step, because I still, education has my heart and I'm still very passionate about it. And um, there just needs, there was just time that I need to take some time to re find those gold moments personally for myself. So yeah. I'm, I'm very blessed and thankful to have that. And uh Christina, it was an honor working with you. I loved it so much. But thank it was so nice meeting you too, Elaine. Thank you thank so much. You. Thank you for before we get into this episode, we want to quickly remind you about our coaching program. Our one-on-one coaching program for school leaders. Through our experiences and our understanding of the role of the school leader, we want to support other school leaders. So far in our coaching sessions, we have helped our school leaders 
One, reflect on their vision and mission statement, prioritize roles and responsibilities, identify protocols and processes that need updates, modifications, or just simply missing, and identify strengths, skills, and talent at school sites that can bring the vision and mission alive. Because the admin or school leaders cannot accomplish student achievement alone. This is a community effort. Our coaching program includes the following. Well, two options, semester long or one school year long weekly sessions, depending on the school leader's needs with personalized objectives and goals, which helps school leaders reflect, plan and organize using equity and educational justice as the focus. Through our coaching program, school leaders will feel empowered to make the difficult decisions necessary to support our BIPOC students, learn how to transition from an educator ally to a co-conspirator, have a support system free of judgment, grow in their practice, and prevent and find prevent burnout and find more balance with your personal life. If you want more information or you want to get in contact to schedule a clarity call, check out the link in our bio and show notes.